this, this is not exclusively the passage we'll look at tonight, but it is a primary passage. And the book is, is wonderfully instructive to churches. Typically, in fact, both 1st and 2nd Corinthians are these books where Paul had to do a lot of correcting to the church. This is not going to be so corrective tonight as it is insightful and I, and I hope for us instructive. So take your Bible and join me as we begin in 1st Corinthians chapter 11. 1st Corinthians chapter number 11. Okay, the first thing that I think would be one of those characteristics for us this evening, where we might be able to look back and say, these are some of the characteristics that provided for us what we might refer to as, wow, best summer ever. It's certainly not limited to summer, but I think these are characteristics that are helpful. So 1 Corinthians 11, the first thing we're going to see is embrace your place. Embrace your place. Okay, let's look at, um, let's start in verse number 17. I, I went through this today, actually, and started circling these in my Bible because I thought, wow, there he keeps coming back to this. He keeps hitting it over and over and over again. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 17. He says, now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise not. So we know he's not giving these words of, you know, commendation to the church at Corinth. But there is something that is presumed in this passage that is, in a sense, like, like hey, good job. Okay, he says, okay, now, in this, I, I praise you not, that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Okay, so pause on this thought for just a moment. He starts out and he uses two words that he's going to keep referring back to. And, and it's not a unique phrase or exclusively Pauline, but it is something that he keeps coming back to, and he'll use it throughout both of the books. And that is come together, come together, come together. He says, okay, now listen, you've come together, but I'm not praising you about this because you came together not for the better, which is the purpose of coming together. He says, you've come together, and it was actually worse. Okay, but, but let's at least pause and say there was an anticipation on the part of the Apostle Paul and even understood by a problematic church, Corinth, that they did come together. Now, again, I know, man, I'm thinking about this even when I'm, when I'm preparing the, the, the sermon for tonight. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to say this to people who have come together. I know that already. Okay, so don't sit there smugly and say, I'm already here. Okay, so don't say that. But at least understand there is something about our place in the body. Now, he keeps using this, this expression. Look down at verse number 18. For first of all, when ye, and there's our phrase again, come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. He, he's going to go on and say additional things about that. Look down at verse number 20. When ye, there's our phrase again, come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, and then he's going to give some instruction that we oftentimes refer to regarding the Lord's Supper when we observe it as a church that has come together. Uh, verse number 33, he says it again. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry for one another. He's saying, hey, show some hospitality, some kindness, some deference, and come together for the right reason. Okay, again, this expression presupposes that the church would faithfully come together, that the church would, in fact, assemble. This is something that um, most in this room have already come to good conclusions about. 
that no matter the culture or the time or the day or the age, the timelessness of God's instruction regarding a church that comes together is still intact for us today. That's not been a diminished command. God's desire for us is to embrace our place in the body. Okay, so I think certainly that begins with just knowing, hey, the church is supposed to come together. This is part of what we do. There are times, and we've addressed this in the past, there are times when, when, when maybe for a cause, but just for a season where, the, where a couple, a married couple, may say, okay, we're not going to come together for a purpose that is understood by both of us, but only for a season, and then we come back together again. We did that as a church, even, even with COVID. We, we said, okay, hey, we're going to take a break, but then we're going to come back together. Are we all done? Do we know our place? Have we embraced our place when the church has just come together physically to assemble? Well, he doesn't leave it there. So Paul begins to or continues to help us to understand what does it mean really to embrace our place? Let's go another chapter forward in 1 Corinthians and look down in chapter 12, and let's start in verse number 12. Now remember, before we read this, remember when the church gathers, his body is formed in our midst. When the church assembles, you, you know all of this, so please forgive the repetition, but church, ecclesia, the called out assembly, when the church assembles, there is literally this sense that the body of Jesus Christ is being formed in our midst. Christ remains our head, but it's almost as if a person could come into an assembled church and say, wow, there's something uniquely dynamic about this assembly that's different from any other assembly on the face of the earth. And that is Christ is in the midst. Okay, so how does Paul continue to build on that? Well, verse number 12, 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one Spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. What a glorious opportunity we have whenever we come together to actually demonstrate the beauty of the unity that exists not only within our body, but actually within the Godhead. Okay, is there any disunity in the Trinity? Any disunity? Has there ever been any tension between the Trinity that is formed between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The only example that we might be able to allude to is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me when Christ became sin for us? But the overwhelming, the, 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 the normal aspect of the Trinity is, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit attempts to glorify, magnify, exalt the Son. The Father, the, 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 the magnification, the love with which he sent. And then the Son's deference to the Father, I have come exclusively to do thy will. 
there is this beautiful, continual harmony within the three persons of the one trinity. And you know, when the church starts to say, hey, what is my place that I embrace in this body that is my church? Do you know one of the things that begins to happen is you actually begin to reflect the harmony of the trinity as part of the harmony of the local church. People begin to sense, we begin to see, there is something that is taking place here that is akin to the perfect harmony. Now, I know that we won't experience that perfect harmony until we are perfected, but shouldn't there be some allusion to that, some nod to that? Have you ever, have you ever um, I don't know, have you ever walked into some place and you smelled some aroma that reminded you of grandma's cookies, you know? They weren't, but oh, man, there was some reminder of, oh, wow, burnt, just like grandma used to, no, 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 yeah. But some sense of, hey, this reminds me of something that, oh, boy, I have such a fond memory of. Do you know, the harmony, when we embrace our place in the body, the harmony that we begin to experience is reflective of the perfect harmony of the Trinity. So we come together. We come together, and, and, and by the way, for people to, for us to experience it, for, to experience it and for us to reflect it, we have to come together. Tonight, man, Pastor Young just kept going. He had this announcement and this opportunity, and then this is coming up, and oh, so many opportunities, one after another after another, to find our place in the body. The point is, cherish your place in the body and find out what it is. What is my place in the body? That may be a kind word to another person who has assembled. Now, we're going to go beyond the assembly, and we'll do that actually a little bit more through the course of this summer. But don't negate or don't diminish the importance of the assembly. So what is my place in the body? Well, Lord, it may be that I come ready to hear from you. It may be that I come looking for an opportunity to encourage another, even as I come and am encouraged. What is my place in the body? It may be, for, for example, today it was mentioned our men's prayer breakfast. And then it was also mentioned our ladies' prayer time. Maybe you've never connected with your place in this body through a special means that might be a great place for you to have further connection, finding a place in the body. It might be through serving with VBS. Uh, it, it might be through, we say these things all the time, but it may be serving our Lord, not because the church needs served, but serving our Lord through children's ministry, through VBS, through things like choir or orchestra. Uh, the, the two men that I saw tonight, I know there were more than that, but the two men that I saw tonight that were standing with a smiling face and, and facing me when I walked in both of the doors tonight at different times. And there were guys that were standing there and they were just there to welcome people to church. And I thank both of these guys saying, hey, are you, are you helping ushering? They said, yeah. And, and the, 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 the person that I talked to over here, they said, yeah. And I said, thanks so much for doing that. And then they said, no, 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 it's an honor to do this. Wow, finding a place to embrace in the body. The body is one, but hath many members. The point is, cherish your place in the body. And to be more specific, embrace your place in this local body, which is your church. You say, well, sometimes there's problems in the church. Okay, 
How many Detroit Lions fans do we have in the uh, audience tonight? Detroit Lions fans. Raise your hand high. And um, wow, Luke Shetler. I love you, Luke. What a guy. You know, even a Michigander like Dr. Zacharias, when I said, how many Detroit Lions fans do we have here? He's standing down here going, uh, okay. Um, I, have, I have a Detroit Lions hat. I have a Detroit Lions shirt. Quite honestly, I don't wear them very often, okay? <laughs> but I have them, and if somebody asked me, hey, what's your team? Now listen, when I lived in Colorado, I was a Broncos fan, but I still said, well, you know, I have two teams, Detroit Lions, and people, I'd have to wait for them to stop laughing. And I still, you know, and, and I pull for the Broncos, because I was in Colorado, and, and I don't know, I, I was wishy-washy. I compromised, okay? Why am I still a Lions fan? I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. I'm still a Lions fan because that's the, that's the place I grew up. I grew up in Michigan, you know, the Lions. Do you know how many disappointed Thanksgivings I have had? Watching the Lions lose. It happens every Thanksgiving. And I watch every Thanksgiving. They're disappointed. But you know, next Thanksgiving, I still want them to win. Why? Because it's my team. You know, in all seriousness, I don't look at Campus Church like I look at the Lions. But how many of you have told, how many of you have told your children, maybe your kids that are still living in the home, there's nothing, nothing that you can do that will separate you from my love? How many of you have told them that? How many of you have the same love for the neighbor kids that you have for your kids? I'm not being overly silly about this, but do you have a special place in your heart for your children? And, and you know, when we start to say this is not just church, but this is my church, and I embrace my place in the body, I, I believe the Lord begins to form something within us that allows us to serve him in a way that will never fully happen when we don't say, listen, it's my church with all of its weaknesses, with, with all of the places where it struggles, where, where I wish it was like this, or this happened to me in my church, and I know all of those things. But you know, when we start to find our place and embrace our place, I do think something really powerful happens. Let, let, let's finish these up. I spent more time on that than we should have, but let's look at a couple others and we'll be done. So the first thing, what do we do? Like, wow, how could this be a really great summer for Campus Church? Well, embrace your place. S secondly, serve with grace. Serve with grace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Listen to this passage. What a beautiful passage. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. What a great passage of scripture when you start thinking about serving the Lord and, and specifically serving him in our place in his body. 
Okay, he says, okay, here's what happened. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Oh, man, that's our citizenship. That's, hey, uh, where are you from? Well, I, I have a citizenship in heaven. I'm, I'm there. Okay, so what have we received with that citizenship? He says, we have a citizenship, a kingdom that cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. What's necessary, according to this passage of Scripture, to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear? What's necessary? I think, he says, let us have grace whereby or by which we can serve God. Okay, so the question is, do you have what's necessary to serve God? Well, the response to that should be absolutely. The Bible says in John 1.16, and of his fullness... Have we all received, and of his fullness, have we all received? <clears throat> if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not exempted from what he just applies to all of us. Of his fullness, like, wow, I got the whole package. Have you ever heard someone say something like this? Well, man, when so-and-so got saved, let me tell you, they really got saved. Okay? Listen, if you're saved, you really got saved, and you got the full package. And of his fullness, we have all received. And then you know what it says? It says, and grace for grace. Grace that piles on top of grace. Grace that follows grace. Of his fullness, we've all received. We have all that we need. And what is it that, that seems to, to characterize this fullness? Grace. Now, I know there could be, there could be, Extended definitions of grace, but that's not the point right now. Our point right now is if we simply define grace by that which we're very familiar with, we're familiar with grace as being, wow, this is unmerited. This is unearned. It is favor, and I don't deserve it. Then essentially what he is saying is because of our kingdom, because of what we have received, we are to serve one another by the same manner with which we have been served. <clears throat> do you ever mitigate? Do you ever, I don't know, do you ever measure your kindness and your goodness and your service to others based on their performance or some standard by which you feel they should meet before you can truly open up and, and with unmerited favor, you know, serve them. Or do we start from the position of, well, I'm serving them with the same grace with which I was served. I didn't, I didn't come to some standard by which I had to finally attain, and then God would begin to bestow upon me grace. And Paul says it in Romans, we'll touch on this later, but Paul says it in Romans, he says, listen, you, you can't mix works and grace. Otherwise, works are no more works. And, and if you try to, you know, add a little bit of works to grace, then grace is no more grace. It's either works or grace. How is it that God has served you, by your works or by his grace? Well, clearly, it is exclusively by his grace. So then how is it that Campus Church even in our place, should be serving one another. Not because someone finally has arrived at a place where they can be served, 
but because we have arrived at a place where we truly can serve. It then becomes not about the, the object, it becomes about the, the offerer, the one who's about to give it. That is purely the way that Jesus interacts with me, and it's purely the way he interacts with you. He says, okay, I'm going to give you grace. Uh, we, we sing about it, we write poetry about it, we, we put it, the plaques on our walls, but if we want to say, wow, what would make for a truly great summer at Campus Church? It would be if by love we would serve one another and do that showered with grace. Should I strive to serve with grace whenever possible? Whenever possible. You know, Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Now, there's a comma there. It goes on and it says, especially unto those that are of the household of faith. Do good unto all men. Okay, that means let's, let's serve all men with grace. But then he gives, isn't this kind of sweet? He says, but especially. Why wouldn't we especially serve one another with grace? If we're supposed to serve all men with grace, wouldn't there be a higher motivation? I, I mean, Wow, listen, hey, listen, serve everyone and, and show kindness to everyone, but especially unto those that are of the household of faith. <clears throat> I, am, I am working on this point today, this afternoon, and I'm, I'm, I'm writing this content about serving one another. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just inserting into my notes as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those that are of the household of faith. And I'm thinking specifically, we're going to, we're going to highlight the need for this opportunity within the body of believers, the church. And my phone starts buzzing. And um, I'm working on this message and, and my phone is buzzing and I see the number and it's an 877 number. And... Um, but it's come up repeatedly, and I'm getting tired of this number coming up repeatedly and when, you know, they never call it a convenient time. But I think maybe this is someone that I have, you know, maybe I'm waiting for this return call, or I've, I've initiated this, and, and so I said, I'm going to answer the call. So I answered it, and do you ever answer a call hesitantly? Do you ever do that yourself? Do you ever like, um, hello? So I do that little hello, and then it waits for a minute. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And then, hello, and they got me, okay? So now I don't feel comfortable just, you know, hanging up right away. But I'm going to try to do so as quickly as possible. And so, um, hello, and they have a very strong accent, so I can't understand them very well. And they said, I am, I am, um, Offering a very good deal on, since you're an AT&T customer, I'm offering a, a high-speed internet deal. You can get fiber optic internet in your house that is, you know, a zillion gigabits per second. And, um, and um, it's really, and I said, oh, hey, hey, thanks so much, but I already have uh, high speed. I already have AT&T fiber optic. So thanks very much. And he says, oh, wait, 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 wait. And I am trying to get off of this call because I have a sermon to write about showing kindness to every person that I come in contact with. 
And they don't seem to understand this. And so I'm trying to get off of this call. And, um, and, she, and I said, no, no, no. I said, and I got a really good deal on it. She says, oh, how much, how much is your deal? I'm like, I, I don't really know. <laughs> and I said, so how much is your deal? She says, you can get 500 um, um, down, and it's, and, and it's normally 89, but I can offer it to you for 69. And I'm like, I know mine is cheaper than that. I said, no, no, no. I said, I know mine is cheaper than that. My, I think mine is 40. And she says, okay. I said, so thanks so much. I really, I appreciate it. Okay, but, but I'm, I'm going to have to. She says, what about your TV? <laughs> and, and she start, and honestly, while I am having this call, I am thinking, when I first answered, I'm thinking, I'm just going to be unkind and end the call. And then God the Holy Spirit says, is this only, is this only what you preach? Is this only good for, because you have to hurry and get back to your message and get it preached? And I'm on the phone with this lady, and the Holy Spirit said, Jeff, what are you doing all, to all men? That doesn't, that doesn't, it should say salesman, too. It doesn't say that. <laughs> okay. So just God, the Holy Spirit, says, Jeff, this, this is for all. And especially in, in my whole Demeanor on the phone changes. As I said, um, I, my, I, I, my whole demeanor changed. I stopped being so short and, you know, telling her that I had the best deal and yada, yada, yada. And I let her talk and I didn't interrupt and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I, no, no, I, I'm, I, I, I didn't do that, okay. And then I, I thanked her for explaining stuff to me hey, thanks so much for taking time to explain this to me today. And the, then she changed. She's like, yes, yes, you're welcome. And um, I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in the, in the TV um, package you have, but I said, thanks so much. I really, I appreciate you calling. And um, she says, wow, well, thank you. Um, have a very good day. And I said, hey, listen, you have a great day too. I said, have a good afternoon. And I thought, I don't know if it's afternoon where she's calling from. <laughs> but I said, listen, you have a great afternoon too. Do you know, maybe it'd be healthy for us to ask the Lord to reveal to us where we're not being so kind to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Uh, do you know, in a couple weeks, I don't know if you're signed up to help. I don't know if you're signed up to run, to walk. But in a couple weeks, Campus Church is a primary sponsor for the Ronald McDonald House 5K run. We're the bib sponsor. You'll see Campus Church on every bib, the runner's bibs for all the runners. Campus Church right there. And I wonder if, if, we're, if we're not prepared internally to, to be kind one to another, I wonder how effective we'll be when, when the body goes outside of here and is seeking opportunity to show Christ to all men. So as, as we start to think, like, Lord, I have to find my place in the body, in, in my church filled with lots of broken people, people who sometimes act 
inconsistently with the father that has birthed them with life. But this is my church. I have to find my place, embrace my place. I have to serve with grace. And then the last thing, I'm sorry for the the time, the, the last thing is reflect his face. So you can put it in your notes, but reflect his face. I love Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Moses was said to have this, this, I don't know, this holy glow about him. And who in the New Testament did that? Do you remember? The first martyr, Stephen. Stephen. What a, what a verse. They're trying to, um, they're, they're bothered by his statements. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders, miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake, filled with the spirit. And then Acts 6.15, And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Whose face do you think Stephen had been beholding that actually impacted his face? Do you know, if you and I spend time just gazing into the right face, I think it's going to impact our own and by the way, Stephen did look into his face. You know, I mean, he, he, he presents to them Christ, and they didn't want to hear it. But that doesn't change his demeanor, his countenance. And they stoned him with stones, grinding their teeth. And, and Stephen sees the heavens opened, and Jesus, what a statement, standing at the right hand of the Father. Oh, wow, what a, what a way for us to impact the world. Whether they receive our message or not, they have at least had some hint, some glimpse of Jesus. You know, I don't know what this summer will look like for Campus Church, but I pray that we will embrace our place, we'll serve with grace, and we will reflect his face.